Hey everybody, Hello, it's Aaron here from Radio. The Spotlight, Welcome the show that's always recorded face-to-face, -face, always live, and always a good time. Host, we Alexander, spend at least a half an hour John every Lampus. week with a group or artist. John, we hear man, their backstory, hear what doing? they're up to Dude, these days, and right have some conversation while hearing them sing some live tunes. Get more in-depth with your favorite groups, and maybe some you haven't heard of, on The Spotlight every Wednesday at 5 p.m. East and 8 p.m. West, and again on Rebroadcast Sunday, it's all here on Akaville. I'm excited for it at the same time. What about you, man? What's going on with you? I feel like you always ask me, like, John, what are you doing? And I'm always like, let me talk about me. <laughs> well, I'm so fascinated by your life. So, you know, me, uh, you know, same old, same old, nothing too exciting, you know, just living the normal adult life. So I can't complain. I got. How is your lovely wife, Laura, who was on the show a couple episodes ago? That was fun. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, it was a great episode. She's doing well, you know, living life just the same as me. I'm like, have you guys found a new boring. HBO series to like binge? <laughs> Not a, oh, oh, so we have found a new Netflix show. Okay, what are you watching? Queen of the South. It's uh, kind of, if you're into the kind of the Mexican drug cartel type shows, huh. action, guns, all that good stuff. It's, it's different. Different than like Narcos. It's similar on the same okay. level. I would equate it more to El Chapo. That was our show before that. So gotcha. it's a little bit different. But uh, yeah, that's what's going on with us. So as everyone, <laughs> you can tell this is an acapella podcast. Oh yeah, we just got to throw some flavor in there every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what are we doing today, man? So today, man, have we got a guess oh, for I'm everyone excited. out there I, mean, today. I love it when you get big big names ah, big, big I, people i've been super pumped for this guest i've been following the work he's done with his groups for years and i'm glad we can finally get him on the show a lot of you might know him uh, from his time with naturally seven currently he's singing with street corner symphony out of tennessee we have none other than armand hudden how are you doing armand doing good man thanks for having me oh you can hear that bass voice just come through so clearly <laughs> i was like he's got to be a tenor he's definitely got to right, be a tenor. right Right. It's a dead <laughs> giveaway sometimes. Man, I was at this thing last night. It's like a book club and everybody gets a chance to kind of talk and give their opinion. And I was telling some friends of mine beforehand, like I'm a very opinionated guy, uh -huh. but sometimes I don't say anything because the first thing people are going to say, ooh, the voice. <laughs> and, and I like it. I like that. You know, it's, it's a God-given gift, but sometimes I'm like, man, I wish they could just listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> could, well, can you talk in a higher voice just to like throw them off the trail? And that was a suggestion, but it just doesn't sound wait wait, wait. now okay you know now I mean? now you got to do it for us now you got you yeah. got to hear what does your higher voice sound like we have to hear this <laughs> oh man oh okay so well, i'm just here with a, with an idea <laughs> you know i think stick to the gravelly bass tones and, and you'll probably still be taken more seriously they'll just be even more impressed right right i, I gotta ask do you ever get tired of the reactions to your voice and when people just hear you for the first time does that ever like get old at all uh yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> it does get old. <laughs> but I quickly remember one, they're res responding that way because they don't hear something like that all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's almost, it's kind of unique. And two, I mean, it's their reaction. I, I can't be upset at them. So where does my anger go to? You know what I'm saying? Right. Where, where does my where does my annoyance my annoyance doesn't go to you for noticing me, right? <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, I'd imagine like it really only gets frustrating when it's treated more as like there's a difference between someone being like really impressed. Like if I heard you talk and I didn't know who you were, I'd be like, Oh man, that's a resonant voice versus like treating it as like a novelty or like kind of a kitschy thing. Right. Like do it right. for us right. or like come on, show us right. Right. Yeah. Right. Do, yeah. Do the voice. Yeah. Do the, do the yeah. roar. Which is the exact right. opposite of what I just did, because I made you do a high voice. But it it's is. still yeah. no, I bet I <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, we're going to hopefully try not to get at too many cliches here uh, during today's no, recording. No, but that's, but that's I think, fun. a legitimate but, thing. Like, I was, sorry, I, I don't mean to take this off topic, but today I was at a work meeting thing and I mentioned, yeah, I'm the choir teacher. And someone's like, oh, can you sing for us? And I'm like, no. Right. Like, I don't, it's seriously like these things that we all do. Like, if someone mentions, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a singer, there's a notion of, oh, well, show it to us. And then that is right. asking yeah. you, whether it's, you know, singing or speaking in a deep voice or whatever, there is this sense of, okay, we know you're a performer, so turn it on for us. And that, right. I think... exactly. For people who might have like pretty big egos, they'll probably like, oh yeah, let me do it. But for people who might want to be more reserved, it's almost kind of like a dog doing a trick sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. You don't come to an accountant and say, hey man, do math. Dude, that's what I want. (laughs) Yeah, crunch these numbers right now. I want to do that. I didn't do it today, but next time someone asks me to do it, I'm going to be like, all right, like balance my checkbook right here, right now. (laughs) Just a little, just a little thing that's been on my mind. Well, good. I'm glad we all have these shared experiences. Kind of want to get into this. So Armand, a lot of us in the vocal community know who you are but for those who might be uh casual listeners of the show who might be new to the genre can you tell us a little bit about you know your singing background and your current acapella experience yeah sure and, and stop me if it gets too lengthy because <laughs> we've been practicing that actually brian and i practice interrupting each other a lot <laughs> yeah it goes back man and i think i'm just gonna start with july 11 1985 <laughs> i was born no <laughs> but my mother is is a professional gospel singer so i oh, used wow. to travel with her and then she myself sister and I were in a trio and this was when my voice was high and then when my voice dropped at like 11 down to where it is now Mm -hmm. I was traumatized and was like okay I'm never singing again that quickly changed because older guys in church were like hey you need to join our quartet because we don't have anyone in the church out of this male the whole male populace here can sing as low as this 11 year old and I was like okay well maybe there's a place for a bass singer then fast forward to high school I started a few acapella groups there and everything was take six Take six, take six, take six. Mm-hmm. Everything. I didn't know anything outside of take six. And so I went to a school called Oakwood College. And that was where the guys from take six happened to go years before me. Years, years, years before me. But that acapella tradition was still very rich. It's a Seventh-day Adventist college. So mm-hmm. a long time ago, there were almost no drums, no instruments in the church sort of thing. Things have definitely changed now. But there was a rich acapella tradition. And so I started arranging for different groups, started singing in different groups down there. And then while I was in college naturally seven called me and that's the whole crazy story in and of itself but I found myself one day in history class and the next day on a tour bus in Switzerland with naturally seven wow and it was like an interim period of six months because their base suddenly left the group but there was still like I said this little interim period where they could decide if they wanted me or not or if I wanted to do it and my very first tour was from October to December and it was my first time out of the country and it was just really cool. I was 20, 21 years old with these guys who already had a train going. They were already doing this thing. Yeah, it wasn't you just like kind of jump, jump on. In. Right. I didn't have to jump in and like create anything. It was like, let me just try to keep up. Mm-hmm. But they were very warm for New Yorkers and hip hop heads. Really, really <laughs> warm guys. And we kind of got on, man. And, and then we started touring with Michael Buble a couple of years after I joined. We did the Quincy Jones stuff. We just did a bunch of things around the country. I mean, around the world. And it allowed me to see the world and to arrange for a group that we were signed to a couple of labels overseas and then to one label called Hidden Beach here. So I had my first real recordings through Naturally 7, but we were traveling almost 250 days a year and it was a lot. 
man and the time i mean it's stability obviously but i just had a lot more things that i wanted to do and one of those things was to start my own record label i got married and was like man i, I just need to be home so i quit naturally seven and then just hung out here in nashville and then a good friend of mine who i wanted to take my place elliot robinson mm -hmm. i wanted him to take my place so we brought him out to be my replacement and he was like nah <laughs> so i was like yo <laughs> I, I hate this guy because now i have to keep going until we find a replacement but anyway when i left the group Elliot calls me and was like, yo, there's this group Street Corner Symphony that I want to hook you up with because I've been subbing for them, but I don't live in Nashville anymore. And you live there. So I met with Jeremy and some of the other guys at a coffee shop and immediately fell in love with those guys. They're just great. And then a couple of months after we met, maybe two or three months after we met, and I wasn't even a full member of Street Corner Symphony, we got invited to go to Zimbabwe for three weeks. And I was like, oh man, see, I just left the road and we're going back overseas, but... That whole experience with them was so different than anything I'd been used to just because it was a lot more lax. It was, there was a lot more downtime to actually tour the entire country. On that trip, I decided, you know what, I'm going to, if they'll have me, I'm going to go ahead and join this group full time. And, and what I love about those guys is that they have other things going on too, musically. So we're not always constantly on the road to make ends meet. Yeah. Uh, so it was mm -hmm. just a perfect situation. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. <laughs> that is a very just... Awesome, diverse career. That's quite the resume. <laughs> yeah, edit all that down, man. That was like that was like 25 minutes right there. There's a lot there. I'm curious. You talked about kind of, I like the metaphor you used of jumping on a train, like as it's moving, like you with both right. Naturally 7 and then also jumping on with Street Corner Symphony. I guess I'm curious of... You know, you said one day you were in history class, the next day you were in Switzerland. What can you can you talk more to the experience of that immediate like kind of culture shock and jumping into something that was already so established and you like kind of fitting up fitting right. like yourself into it? Because what Brian and I talk a lot about on the show is creating culture and forming culture and fine tuning culture. And I know I personally don't have as much experience about just jumping into something that's already so well defined. And I'm just curious more about your experiences with that, how that affected you, how you handled it as a musician um, and as a person. Right. Well, and you, you hit it on the head with that very last thing. It's personality, mm -hmm. right? You, you have to be able to understand that you're going into something that is established they are successful and you're not coming in to be the savior mm, yeah you know what i mean and and sometimes as as a creative i'm used to wearing both hats like i can come in yeah. and totally try to change a situation or i can gauge it and see what it needs and and i've been doing that my whole life like i said when i went down to oakwood there were so many things going on there already that I was coming in as a freshman like, yeah. and joining groups and being a part of institutions almost. And, you know, a lot of my classmates, and a lot of people that were in school with me have gone on to do ridiculous things in the music industry. It was like a training ground of this institution where you don't necessarily need to come in and change it. You just have to figure out where you fit in and now that you fit in how you can stick out and that and that's what happened with naturally seven when they called me they obviously needed me to be part of the group but because they had that little six month interim period there was always the mm -hmm. hey you know if this doesn't work out then yeah we'll find somebody else sort of thing and it's personality of it's a fine line of walking being confident in who you are and what your abilities but also mm -hmm. knowing that you know there's always somebody out there who can fill in just like you can and i really liked how you phrase that about finding how you fit 
fit in because I think too often the notion of joining a group can be framed as, well, mm-hmm. you have to be one of us or like like a fraternity. Right. You need to like right. do what we're doing. And obviously, yeah, you need to, you know, you need to go to the shows. You need to be at rehearsal. But I liked how instead of saying, well, I needed to fall in line, it was about, no, let me see how my unique personality, while it might not be defining right. The kind of rep we do or the the name of the group or the whole group culture let me see how i fit into something pre-existing that's already existed right. I, I think that's a really smart way of framing that for people who might be joining a new group uh versus starting a new one what do you think brian yeah i was gonna say i think i think it's uh super interesting because like you said we speak so much on man when you come into this group you know what do i do to kind of stand out and what can i do to make my way and it's like you know sometimes the best way to do that is just to find your place within it just to feel at home Mm -hmm. and just to kind of sit back and i I think as you're putting in our mind Mm -hmm. is you know let me get the fillers out there let me get the my personality let me figure out how this all gels within this group and so i think that's super important and then i think what's even uh, more interesting is that you kind of have it the experience on an even wider perspective because i know you did the the choral scene which is the large group scene and then you did you know you kind of dialed it back with naturally seven and street corner to more of the small group and that that's kind of has this whole navigational thing that you kind of have to chart carefully as well and so I'm, I'm just curious within those two different groups when did you feel at that point where you know I could start to release my creativity when do I get to that point where I can you know really start making this group molded a little bit or offering out uh, input. So the moment comes, right? And you just have to know and recognize it. Like I said, you're confident Mm -hmm. in who you are, but then you're also figuring out the dynamics of the group situation, whether it's a choir or whether it's a smaller group. And so with the choir that I was in, we were called the Aeolians. And they, like I said, it was an institution that was established way before I got there. And I just so happened to be the only second bass who was a a major in music. Mm. So naturally, the director, who I also was close to, came to me and was like, yo, we need to find more low basses because we're doing a lot of stuff that gets down past C and all that stuff. Find Mm -hmm. some guys. So I found a bunch of guys who could talk low, who could sing low, but weren't necessarily musically inclined. And I became their little leader because they needed somebody to bang out notes for them. I got you. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're going to have a little bass sectional. And so that the moment came. And then also, I never wanted to just when my voice dropped, I realized I didn't want to only sing. I wanted to always go into composition and and arranging. Mm -hmm. So I started arranging for the choir because that was what I was in. I wasn't going to arrange for take six or arrange for some established group. I'm going to arrange for what I'm doing now, you know, and through those arrangements that kind of set me apart from some of the other choral members. And it's the same with singer with smaller groups is, yo, if there's something that you're good at and when the group says, hey, we need somebody to do this A, B, and C thing, then say, hey, I'll, I'll do that because I know that I'm good at it. If you're good at social media, I started Naturally Seven's Facebook page. Oh, really? Wow. And yeah, and I mean, this dates me, I guess, but <laughs> Facebook, we were still really doing our thing on MySpace when I joined the group. Oh, boy. I remember, right. Remember that. Right. That's like the. Sorry, I didn't mean to make that sound like that, a. Oh, no, man. Let it sink in, man. That's, that's like black and white, right? <laughs> yeah. And so. Facebook obviously was established, but the group didn't have much of a presence on Facebook. So I started their account and grew those numbers. And we had like little fine systems where like if you're late for a rehearsal or late for a sound check, you get a small fine. I was like, look, I'm going to be late because that's just my that's who I am. I'm going to be late. I'm sorry. But why don't we take that fine money and put it toward ads? Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to be late, 
at least the group benefits in more than just, okay, we're going to divvy out this fine or wherever the fine money goes. Uh, at first, they were hesitant because they thought that I was trying to scheme them. <laughs> but I was like, nah, like, let's let's do that. But again, that had nothing really to do with music or arranger or anything. But it was like, yo, I'm the youngest one in the group. I'm on Facebook. I see we're not on Facebook. There's a gap there. Let me try yeah. to fill that gap as best as I can. And now your tenure in the group is kind of, I don't think Facebook will be around forever, but it, right. your presence didn't necessarily change how the group functioned, but it just, it made it a little bit right. more modern because you're a new, newer member and you found out how your identity could serve the larger culture and picture of the group. Yeah, and, and we had a lot of moments where we butt heads, man, where I, th- oh. I thought we should do something and, and the group wanted to do something else. But at the end of the day, it's a democracy, right? There's seven guys. If I'm one guy that wants to do something and the six other guys don't want to, then what am I going to do, just pout in the corner? Mm-hmm. Okay, you can pout in the corner, but then a couple minutes later, you're like, I mean, it's a group. Mm-hmm. Until you go solo, then you're a part of this group. Yeah. You know, and, and I, th- I think that's the big thing, especially with collegiate groups. I don't have a lot of experience except running my own collegiate group. But now I know guys and ladies go in and out, you know, and, and so you want to join this group, but they're going. So you stand out. You do be the best thing that you can be if you're singing second alto or if you're singing a solo. You, you, you do the best thing that you can be and then you find the opportunity where it's like, you know what, I can lend my gifts in other capacities. And then if they don't want it, they don't want it. Mm-hmm. But if they do, then and this gives you another role to fill. Well said. Yeah. Well said. I like how you're uh, this whole conversation on, you know, pushing the boundaries a little bit as well as figuring out your identity within the group. These yeah. are topics we always talk about on yeah. the on the show. And I think it, it, with the reason we talk about them, because they're so detrimental to everything that we do as artists. Yeah, And, and it's hard. It's hard because it's a fine line to walk. Yeah, it, yeah. You don't want to be the guy who comes in. It's like I think because I mean, yeah. j- just a weird example. Like I recently took over a few months ago. I took over my church choir and I came in and made a lot of changes. But I had to be very clear of like, hey guys, if I had not said anything, it would just come across as I think everything you were doing before is wrong. And then the members might take mm-hmm. that personally. Whereas having a conversation like, hey, I think this is the best way forward. And like you said, having that that democratic discussion, I think preserves the group culture, but also so make sure that conflict doesn't get like the conflict, the butting heads doesn't get embedded in there as well. Right. Yeah. And I and I think part of it as well goes into you. While you don't necessarily want the conflict, you need sort of that tension in order to kind of revolutionize things a little bit and kind of change. Because mm-hmm. I, I look at so much of the scene now, whether it's the collegiate scene or groups out there. And you know what? We're not doing things the same way they were done years ago. And you mentioned taking uh, Naturally 7 online with the, you know, ads and MySpace and Facebook. Facebook and things like that. And you kind of need that boundary. It's a modern perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly modern perspective. And I'm curious because another aspect that I just attribute so, so well to you, I'm like, you are what I consider a pioneer and in the sense that your vocal base has become very, what is it like? I'm almost iconic. I don't want (laughs) to kind of praise it too much, but I'm like, when I talk to a lot of my friends about music and who, who are really in tune to acapella stuff, we know naturally seven, we know the sound. And I'm just curious, you know, as someone who has a lot of experience with pushing groups past, you know, where they're currently at, what do you do? What's key to not only figuring out your signature sound, but pushing those conventional standards to propel a group forward, whether that be vocally or, you know, their style, their identity? Yeah. Be well versed, you know, and and first of all, be able to recognize where you are and be able to recognize who you are as a group. Right. So if it's like if I want to push the boundaries you can't push the boundaries if you're not at the limit 
Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're still trying to figure out certain things, like for instance, with Naturally Seven, like I said, they were a train that was already going. They were already pushing the boundaries, doing the whole vocal play thing before I right. got there. The whole vocal bass thing for me, they had it established, but I figured it could mold and evolve into something else. But like I said, they had already gotten to the wall of this is what we're doing. Now, how do I get it there? Now, that vocal bass thing that I kind of helped evolve for myself. I never thought that I was like pushing the boundaries for anybody else. It was how do I get better? Mm -hmm. But that wouldn't have happened if we were still singing doo-wop or if we were still singing regular acapella. You know yeah. what I mean? So you have to know where you are as a group or where you are as an individual, get really good at that thing until there's like, you know what, there's nothing else to evolve into until you don't have a, a choice but to evolve, mm -hmm. right? I think really you can't really get better, you can't evolve until you've gotten as good as you possibly can. And and that's all I was trying to do, trying to get as good as I possibly, not even the group, to be honest, it was all very individual at this point. How do I be as good as I possibly can be? Not the best bass singer, not the best whatever. How do I be the best Armand? And there's so much going on in a Naturally Seven show. The audience sometimes may not even understand what I'm doing, but I'm gonna try to get better with each show and with each performance and change my sound and alter my sound. How I remember one time I was trying to do a solo and I had this idea. My solo, little bass solo thing was going really well. The audience really ate it up. I was doing the little slap bass technique and then <laughs> I evolved into doing like some dance moves, which I'm a terrible <laughs> dancer, but I was like, let me add that. And then I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I need two mics. I need two mics because I want to do one instrument vocally on one mic and one instrument vocally oh, wow. on another mic. And it was, a, it was a terrible idea. Like, I tried it out. It was a terrible idea. But I was always thinking, like, how do I just do something that I've never seen before? Or how do I incorporate something that I have seen before into a space that it doesn't usually incorporate? Like, I went into this really Michael Jackson phase. I went into a Freddie Mercury phase, this Prince thing that I will see. And I was like, well... They've obviously done it, but I've never seen it in an acapella style. Not, not I'm not talking about their songs or their arrangements. But I'm just talking pushing about how the they boundaries. Perform, yeah. How they were perform on stage. How can I do that as a background bass singer? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, it was, like, like you said, it's just pushing the boundaries. I think that's a really inspiring ambition that I think can yeah. <laughs> really easily get lost in the notion of, well, I need to be part of the group. And, I, and obviously, we were talking about that earlier, but making sure that as long as your individuality is, you know, working and is functional within the larger culture, or if you say it like pushes the culture to a new area, I think that's all cool. And especially like you can just try these things out in rehearsal. Like it's not gonna, try you know, out. there's mm -hmm. so much more experimentation and almost like kind of like R&D time to yeah. experiment with these ideas and figure it out. And I think that groups that, like you said earlier, Amand, know who they are and know what they want to be and know what they could be. I think those are the ones that are receptive to that and facilitate those creative opportunities inside and outside of rehearsal. I think very few people have the wherewithal mm -hmm. have, or the, even the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to flip this whole yeah. thing. I'm going to change this whole genre. I think it happens usually by accident, by mistake mm -hmm. of you mm -hmm. trying to be your best self and it just happens that other people take notice like oh, oh that's, hey that's this cool is this is this is now the new standard right uh, guys we got to right. take one quick break we're going to be right back here on talk Appella. we've been talking with armand hutton today and man this is just some cool stuff i always i just love these kinds of episodes where we get to just nerd out on the geekiest subjects uh all right everyone we're going to be right back here on talk Appella, so stay tuned 
Have you heard our newest barbershop show? Jeremy brings you our barbershop seventh hour with some amazing exclusive interviews, the best of barbershop music, everything you need to satisfy that barbershop craving. The barbershop seventh hour is every Thursday at 8 p.m. East, 5 p.m. West, and then twice on rebroadcast Sundays at 2 p.m. East, 11 a.m. West, and 12 hours later. It's the barbershop seventh hour when six hours just isn't enough. And welcome back to Talk Apollo. <sighs> that might be my favorite one. I know. That was awesome. My <laughs> that goodness. was so good. I'm going to make <laughs> that my text tone. Well, thanks for tuning back into the show, everyone. Uh, we've been speaking with Armand Hutton. Many of you know him from his work with He's Done previously with Naturally 7 and his current singing that he's doing with Street Corner Symphony. We have just been getting the rundown on his life, where he came from, and just having a really good, insightful conversation about really propelling the group, kind of figuring out that individuality aspect of a group, and just man, some awesome conversations. So I'm not even mad at today's episode has been great it's been wonderful wait what do you mean you're not even mad what i don't i don't know sometimes you know you just plan certain things out and you know oh, when it oh, doesn't mean, go yeah, according we, to script I, well that was me because I, I you had all these notes and i was like oh but i like what he just said so i'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna getting used to that. you just like you know i'm just gonna veer this way brian's gonna yeah do this, like oh we're talking way. about like acapella and tuning yeah but what about the flash movie that's coming out <laughs> we, i think that's really what's that's worth talking about. also important conversation it, it, it is we actually had any, that, anyway continue <laughs> One of the things we definitely wanted to bring up, so uh, Armand, I know that you have founded Hudden Records, which is a Nashville-based record label, and I'm just curious, you know, just looking back on your time as you've done uh, studio tracks before with various other groups, and now you're venturing into doing this, your own personal branding with your own studio, you know, what's been the process with that? What, what's been your experience with that? How have you been enjoying your time and just ha- kind of having your own space to create art? Man, I, I, I love it. I love it because, like, it's mine. And it's a new thing almost every day. And it's like you're, you're treading waters that, you know, there's a sign that says it's deep end, enter at your own risk, no lifeguard <laughs> sort of thing. And, and that's what's happening. Yeah. You know, when, while I was in Naturally 7, we were with a label called Hidden Beach Recordings. And they had Jill Scott. They had a guy named Mike Phillips. And we were like, at the time when we joined, we were like the premier group. And so it was a small L.A.-based label that still had, they had a, a lot of influence in the States. And so that was our goal. But since they were small, I could just hit up the CEO of the label and be like, hey, I'm going to be in L.A., let's chill in your office sort of thing. And so I got to see the inner workings of that. And then at the same exact time, I started doing a lot of research on early Motown and early stacks. Mm. And that was like, yo, I, I want to do this. I want to have a conglomerate of artists who can get together all sort of different genres, but who work together. It's like a community where we they push each other, but they like are featured on each other's records. You know, especially if you have an established act and there's gonna be this person who's just signed. Well, that person who's just signed will have like a little small guest solo. They may play the violin or something on on on, on a track. Something like mm-hmm. that. And so that's what really had me start hutting records. And then a close personal friend of mine from childhood moved to Nashville while I was still on the road. And he was still trying to find his way in terms of like getting support and things like that. And I had learned so much from being with the group where I was like, dude, look, I don't have any money to start this label. If you want to join the roster just to say that you're on the roster and we can figure out how to go from there, then let's do it. His name is Terrell Hunt. And ever since then, we've been going. And last year, we released two things for him, a gospel song that we pushed the radio and then a supplemental hymns project. Um, And then this year, we were like, yo, to build your audience, since you're not really touring, let's do cover songs. Let's take 
the whole acapella thing, like how they do it, because acapella basically they do covers. <laughs> right. Let's do that. Let's build your audience that way, and let's make let's do videos at the same time that we're recording the audio, so that we can put out the video, build an audience like that, and then at the same time release the single to that video as his own audio thing so that's what we're doing man and i'm very proud of it he's my only artist outside of myself oh yeah and this is another thing too i don't really talk about i released a little mixtape like an acapella mixtape when i first left naturally seven because i wanted to show people that i do arranging too and so i was like okay i'll sing all the parts i'll mix it all myself and call it a mixtape and i'll go the opposite way of what we do with acapellas where we we take cover songs and we sing other people's songs but what if i take the original vocals and do a totally different arrangement behind the real lead vocal Ooh. which was like obviously you can't sell that, yeah you know? <laughs> but that's so neat <laughs> so and so i put it on Bandcamp, and there were a couple of people who was like you know have we taken this whole cover thing too far <laughs> and i was like yes yes we have be original but in the meantime here's my acapella mixtape which is like my business card listen to the arrangements this is what i do and i got a lot of work out of that which was cool uh but yeah hutton records man I'm, it's my baby and i'm proud of it and you mentioned and i'm glad you mentioned the gospel and worship part i'm like i don't know if there's enough of that going on in today's music and that's so yeah. it's such a good powerful pure music is that intentional in regards to what you want your your record company to to be you know is that the model it is i don't want to alienate anyone obviously i want to service all people but at the root of it at the foundation of it there's a christian base there and the root of Christianity, obviously, is love, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's loving people, loving what you do, and trying to figure out a way to spread Christ's love, which is just loving folk, as much as you can. So even if we don't sing Jesus, 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 we're going to sing something that hopefully will move you, that will resonate with you, something where it's like I, I can turn it on and know that I'm not going to be bombarded with negativity. I'm going to have something playing that is going to uplift me. And like I said, even if it's not a Jesus song, I still want you to feel good from it. Like Terrell, the second cover that we did and we released the single, is it's everywhere, was Casey Musgrave's Rainbow. <laughs> and it's because those lyrics, first of all, to have this big black guy sing <laughs> Casey Musgrave's mirror, uh, Rainbow is a total yeah. opposite of what, you know, it's, she Yeah, is, it's unexpected. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And he puts his own little flavor to it while maintaining the integrity of the song. Mm -hmm. But those lyrics, man, are crazy. Mm -hmm. They're so they make you feel so good. And and that was written right here in Nashville, which is the Bible Belt. But I don't know if the writers are Christian at all. But those are Christian concepts <laughs> of, in that song. And so we, the songs that we choose, even the cover, reflect the the ideals that we're trying to push as a label. And, and I think a lot of people, not knowing that we're a Christian-based mm -hmm. label, they still listen to the music and particularly those covers and they feel good about them. I could see in the comments. Yeah, well, there's an honest emotional resonance in it. Even if they don't <laughs> exactly. realize that you're singing about Christ, you right. because you because you know you are singing about that, you're probably more emotionally invested, and they and people can pick up on that, and that's totally. I mean, obviously, you know this because you were in choir. Like that's something you know when we sing in different languages in choir and whatnot, but we're singing about certain subject matter. You can still understand the general direction of it if it's well composed because you understand what like how the singers are performing it and what's intrinsic to the music as a whole and i think that's awesome like that's something we ask people in choir to do a lot when we're singing about even if we're saying the words christ or god and you know we don't always say hey you don't need 
to be thinking about this when you're singing it, if that's not what you believe in, but you need Mm -hmm. to bring the same level of emotional investment because that's what we're searching for in a choral performance. And I think that's really cool that you have that there. I learned that from Naturally 7. That's cool. Because we call ourselves a Christian group, but like I said, remember we were opening for Michael and this is not a Christian show at all. He, He wanted it to be very neutral so that everybody could feel included, which I get. But we would sing things and we would do things and we would go into random clubs in Germany and people would come up to us and be like, yo, I know that you guys are Christian. Mm. And we didn't we didn't sing one. We might not have sing a, sang a Jesus song that whole night, <laughs> but it's just how we carried ourselves is what we did. And, and like you said, people can tell, man. They, and that's the sort of thing I wanted to bring to, to Hutton Records. Like we did the last song that we're going to do this year. Well, maybe not last, but the most recent one, the single comes out on the 23rd of august but it's on the road again is willie nelson's on the road again and that he's just talking about camaraderie and brotherhood making music with my friends you know there's nothing that's like overtly christian about that except it just makes you feel good you know and that's the sort of thing we want to do and i'm curious is that tie in at all to what we can expect i know you're working on some new music with a new album yeah. is, is that going to be yeah. kind of a folk a similar focus at all or no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> can you give us any hints? <laughs> oh, yeah. Most definitely I can, man. Because like I said, I wanted it to be out by now. <laughs> but it's a TV it's TV theme song. Ooh. So, that's awesome. Of, okay, stuff. now you're speaking my language. Okay, I we... That I grew Wait, up with. hold on a second. Brian, yeah. this might be the first time someone besides me has brought TV into the you conversation. Know, pop culture into this. This is awesome. That's, oh man, oh, I yeah. feel. It's old TV theme songs, though. It's not like Game That's of Thrones okay. or that... some new stuff. It's, it's the older stuff, like uh, reading. I just got a, a mix back right before this interview <laughs> of reading Rainbow. No. Okay, that's, what? see, that's great. That's, that's, it's, it's oh, I remember I that song so well. If you listen to my mixtape, You'll you'll see that okay. His goal as an arranger is to totally flip. Yeah, yeah, right. And and to still make it listenable, but in a way that you have no idea. Like for instance, I did the you know the Beyonce and Drake song "Mine." I just want to say you're mine. Oh yeah, mine. Mm-hmm. it was on like two or three or four Beyonce records ago. Mm-hmm. That was before you guys were born. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> well, well, not that young, but okay. <laughs> but like I said, it's Beyonce and Drake. They had no vision for acapella mm-hmm. you know to be on that but i took their vocals and did like something totally different to it and so i'm doing the same thing with these theme songs cool. where i'm flipping it the craziest thing that i did the most different in terms of not like oh the craziest thing but the diff- the most different one was the fresh prince theme song nice. i turned it into a i turned it into a ballad what okay yeah. see <laughs> See, we need a, a copy of this. So we need an early release We're of this. Which is so now. bad because I, I let my wife mm-hmm. hear it, and I, I shouldn't have told her what the song was going to be. I, but <laughs> I was like, hey, I did Fresh Prince. Here's a final mix of it. And the whole time she's looking like, like what song is this? What's, what's Wait, happening? so yeah. did you take the original <laughs> tune of uh, Will Smith's original rap and put it? No. And, or did you? No, I, I totally wrote. Oh, okay. And compose a whole new. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm into all that. All the lyrics, all the lyrics are exactly That's genius. Chilling out back. Hey, don't say that until Relax you hear it. all man. cool. <laughs> and what's taken so long is that there's going to be a video for each song. And so that's that's the reason why the, the whole thing is not out yet, because I'm still doing some of these videos. But the Fresh Prince video is done. <sighs> and I'll, since I'm just talking to you guys and no one, it's just us <laughs> of right <course>. now. <laughs> that. It's, I had different Fresh Prince costumes oh, as well, or things that he Oh my gosh. 
Oh gosh. See, hold on. You know what? I'll, I'll do something that no, they obviously can't do it because they're listening. But I'll show you. A <gasps> oh picture. my gosh. Oh, sorry, <laughs> oh. listeners. We're gonna do oh, our yeah. own thing now. You guys are about to miss out on this. That sucks for them. Oh, I'm excited. Let me pull oh up. my gosh. Let me pull up Dropbox real fast. Everything's moving quickly because it knows that I'm in a hurry. <laughs> Let's see. Can I? How do I flip this? Just yeah. I think you just turn it around. Oh, wait, just a little high. Oh. See I it? see it. I can't see it. Wait a minute. What's going on here? It's beautiful. Come on, man. The oh. listeners are They're like, like all right, it? Brian, just milk. He, he can totally see it, but he's just play- oh, oh, wait, there oh, it I is. can't actually oh. see it. <laughs> it looks so good. That is awesome. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Yeah, man. So, but oh, just you know that it looks so great. Like, because the arrangements are going to be so different, I still want to get. Oh, and this is something Peter told me, too. He's like, dude, no one's buying records. Like, if you're going to do mm-hmm. it, then do, you got to do videos. And when you talk to Peter, he's he's very he's very straightforward. He's very like like this is this is has to, this is what it has to be. Very direct. And so I'm like, dude, that's that's of course that's what has to happen. Of course, I don't have Peter Holland's money, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to do a video for each song. I think so, that's awesome, yeah, it's, it's and I just fun. love all of this. I mean, I I think you could title this episode innovation, like just the, just yeah. talking about. And it's not just innovation in of a like, oh, I'm going to go do something different, but it's because I think that's how innovation can be framed, but it's innovation with a clear understanding of the parameters you're working in. It's not just like, oh, in the middle exactly. of a acapella piece, I'm going to like, I don't know, start cooking. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's understanding <laughs> right. the framework you're in and understanding what is yeah. innovative, not just different because anyone can do something that's different. It doesn't make sense, but doing something that's innovative that still functions and actually builds upon the foundations of what that art form is. And that's just, you know, you're talking about the videos, talking about all this, doing the two mics and all that stuff. I think that is really inspiring stuff for especially young acapella people to hear because someone might hear this Mm -hmm. and try to make the next idiom or idea that becomes really popular in acapella. Yeah, and I think it's also about also pushing the limits because we talked a little bit in the first half about these kind of mental limits that we put on ourselves into, okay, this is how I know everyone in the acapella community is doing things now. And this is how, you know, doo-wop used to be and barbershop used to be. And Armand came along and was like, you know, this is what we need to try. This is something that I I like what I'm seeing in this other space. So let me try and bring it in. And and so I think once we kind of move out of that territory of this is the only acceptable way whether it's my voice part or the way our groups are thinking or the way we're singing or doing things that's when we really start to open up to creativity exactly yeah. right and and that's and that's my only gripe like i said when i joined naturally seven up until that time all i knew i didn't even know who they were all i knew was take six mm-hmm. right and so my only gripe now with acapella and going to all the college campuses and doing the workshops is everybody's trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, your group has different members, but it sounds the same as the last campus that I was on. Yeah. Now, what What are you going to do that wows me? Not necessarily wows me, but what are you going to do that shows me you mm-hmm. as opposed to shows me what I just saw? Two thoughts kind of come to mind. One, I think it's, I think that notion of, okay, well, I just saw this somewhere else. I think a lot of people can get very caught up in the ICCA model. Like I got our three songs and we just kind of copy and paste and those can be great. But, you know, to quote Syndrome from uh, The Incredibles, like if everyone's super, no one is. Like if it's all copy and paste, similar stuff and I have nothing against the ICCAs. I love that. I love that reference. Thank you. Thank you. That if we're all doing the exact same thing, then no one's standing out. And I wonder, I, I don't know this for sure, I'm sure there is some 
probably some psychology or some studies behind it. I wonder if sometimes the lack of innovation we feel in regards to acapella or just the vocal genre in general, I wonder if that is due to the voice being a much more personal thing because it is our own individual instrument. And I don't know, I feel pretty comfortable experimenting with an arrangement just because even though it's my arrangement, I feel comfortable just like, oh, what if we did this or this? Because if it doesn't work out, okay, it's just, it's hidden away or someone will say, oh, that was a weird thing John did on his arrangement. But if I do something weird with my voice in a solo, in a public setting, or even in front of my music peers, does that might reflect more on me as a musician or as a singer than something I created like an arrangement. And I'm not sure if this is what it is, but I wonder if there is that apprehension that comes from using a tool to do this innovating that is so inherently tied with our identities. Mm, Right, right, right. Yeah, and it, and it kind of in line with what you're you're saying, John. It just brought me back a little bit to what Armand was talking about when he kind of first discovered that his voice was dropping yeah, a little yeah. bit, or <laughs> when he was around eleven. And you know, you you kind of revert back to that mindset of back when I was kind of in that age of my life. I was I was a baritone bassy kind of thing, and I was just like, man, as and I'm looking around and I'm seeing all the the tenors. They're doing all the cool yep. stuff. They're getting all the cool parts. They're getting all the solos. And I'm thinking it, internally, I'm like, is this kind of all that there's going to be moving forward right. kind of thing? And I'm right. wondering if we kind of exactly. keep ourselves in that bubble after a while. And yeah. it's not just so much as voice parts, but as we move forward with new groups, new challenges, new experiences, you know, breaking yeah. out of that kind of mindset at the end well, of the day. I think we have to like challenge the inherent cultural values that are associated with some of these things and they're not bad just because someone thinks a high note a tenor does is really good that is not mean bass singers are bad or that they're not liked as much it just means that there is a different sense of what we perceive to be cool or innovative just beyond us but in terms of the, the just general audiences who are consuming this content and I think the way that we disrupt those ideas or that disrupt those kind of norms for is doing what Armand's doing and just like what if we did this what if I tried using two mics because you might find that oh like it's it's almost like a sense of like something being in fashion like 10 years ago it was all about tenors who could belt a high C but now because of this movement that was started here we are understanding like people are appreciating this more like I think people's notion of what like a really good pop singer is you know now versus 40 years ago is totally different and that's Mm -hmm. due to not just like changing tastes but innovations that change those tastes and I think that all lines comes back to in a, not just being different, but the innovation in smart innovation that is going to lead to creativity and just more opportunities and and like people feeling good for for everyone. And you, and you know who I love, man, is Jacob Collier. Mm. I love Jacob, mm-hmm. because, and and it's not for the typical reason. Like he's clearly a genius, but I love the fact that he tries. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you know, this is all. This is all who I am. I'm naturally really gifted. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I can do all of these things. But not only can I do all of these things, but I'm going to attempt it. Yeah, puts himself out I there. I just feel like he just tries. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'll never, me personally, I'll never be Jacob Collier. A lot of us won't be because he's a bonafide <laughs> genius. But what we can, what the mortals can take from it is that, <laughs> yo, he, tr- he tried. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I get like kind of a... Bobby McFerrin vibe from this whole kind of conversation of, <laughs> of, of, imp- of improv, but also of just building, not even building your sound, but building something that is inherently u- a musicality and an instrument and a way of doing things that is inherently 
based in your identity. And Brian, you and I kind of had that conversation a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago when we had Daniel on the show, Daniel Wolford talking about individuality and like, well, I like this thing in my arrangements. I do this a lot because that reflects this side of my personality. And I think we can take that to just, you know, singing and apply that notion that we discussed and that's kind of coming up here again and apply that to just innovation in the whole acapella genre and based on these experiences and because i am this kind of person i'm going to pursue this and i think again tying it back into what armand said about like christian performing like and people recognizing that emotional honesty people buy this authenticity regardless of it's whether it's arrangements or singing or innovations in acapella i think that's what as long as we keep trying to be innovatively honest like the acapella genre is going to be fine yeah and honestly when i look back and i think back to the different groups i was a part of you know what the things that i miss most or not miss the things i kind of have little slight regrets not that i have a lot of them about the past groups i've been it's just the things we didn't attempt as you guys are mm-hmm. talking about exactly. i think back in like just hearing your project about theme songs one of my passion i love theme songs I, that's been right. in another life Whatever i was singing to predictability <laughs> the milkman the paper boy yeah even tv um one of the absolutely one of my favorite things is tv theme songs and i think back there was one part uh back in my college years when i was like you know what i really wanted to do a sitcom medley and we never did it and it's those (laughs) i know and i can't wait to hear it i'm excited (laughs) and i just think back to you know if we if we really just kind of implemented what we've been talking about on today's episode really just kind of infusing more personality instead of conforming to okay well this is what the current scene is this is what people probably want to hear instead of you know what do we want to do what do and we encouraging who do we want the to be? people who are the the young groups who are in brian 10 years ago who are in that same space right now who yeah. are like who like or like i was like three years ago like i'm just worried about keeping my group going day to day and managing everything hey everyone you're probably doing fine do the sitcom medley like take the shot and if it doesn't work that's okay because yeah. you're gonna feel a lot better that you tried and did something look at what Armand's doing and really and that creativity and really and take it to your group and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but I mean Brian you already said it you're going to you won't have these little regrets and you are going to be so happy that you just tried to do something different that was honest to who you are as a musician and as a person yeah and and with a group too I mean you try to take random ideas like this to a group sometimes they'll probably turn that down because they may not have the exact same vision. I think that I'm at an advantage because I'm literally doing everything myself. I don't have anyone to answer to except for myself. Every song that's going to be on this theme song, it's not just theme songs. I have, there's one or two things on every song that I've never done before. Mm -hmm. And, and so that little thing pushes me like, you know, there's one song where I'm doing the whole Bobby McFerrin thing. I've never recorded like that before. And and on that same song, this is the only one that's not a cappella. I'm playing a lot of different percussive instruments mm-hmm. as well. So I, I just went to the store and bought a whole bunch of different percussion things, learned how to play spoons, <laughs> wow. you know, just just random things. Just and it's like I never recorded myself doing this sort of thing before. That's why I'm gonna do it. One of the other songs has two classically trained opera singers. I've never recorded opera singers before, so I I, I want them on the song. You know, it's things things like that where if you bring an idea to your group, unless they are as uh, visionary or as random as you are, they may not like that idea. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean to, to not do it. That means to just write it down, put it on the back burner, and be like, this is what I'm going to do when I get into my Keep own Keep feeding space. that creativity. You know? Exactly. Definitely. 
Yeah. Well, well yeah. said, Armand. Uh, everyone, we got to take one more quick break, and then we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. You're going to find out how you can learn more about what Armand's doing and all about his upcoming projects. So we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. Hey, everybody. It's Aaron here from The Spotlight, the show that's always recorded face-to-face, always live, and always a good time. We spend at least a half an hour every week with a group or artist. We hear their backstory, hear what they're up to these days, and have some conversation while hearing them sing some live tunes. Get more in-depth with your favorite groups, and maybe some you haven't heard of, on The Spotlight every Wednesday at 5 p.m. East and 8 p.m. West, and again on Rebroadcast Sunday. It's all here on Acaville. Thanks for tuning back in to Talk Appella. Man, what an episode we have had today with Armand Hutton. Matt, we've been talking about all different types of things from the his studio out in Tennessee, as well as challenging yourself to really push the creative boundaries, um, whether it be from an individual standpoint or from a group perspective. And we have learned a lot. Per tradition, we typically go straight into an, an advice segment, but we're going to veer off track because there are just two questions we definitely need to know. Wait, I thought veering off track was, was my thing. I know, but you know, I'm taking a note from, from your book, man. I'm reading. <laughs> from John Lampus' book and I'm learning things today. So there are two questions I've been dying to know and we're going to get hopefully uh, have Armand answer them real quick and then we'll go along with the regular scheduled program. Brian literally has these at the bottom of our notes page under the subtitle lighthearted. Which is <laughs> hopefully they're just, lighthearted. I think they're lighthearted. Okay. Uh, so one question we definitely have and this probably is no surprise you've probably been asked this a million times. Where does the na- nickname Hops come from? Hops come from, yeah. I, I knew that was <laughs> Hops came from the guys in Naturally 7. Yeah. When, when I first joined, like I said, I was 21 years old. There was a lot going on, you know. It was a lot going on technically, uh, sonically, and I had so many questions. And they were like 10 years, almost 15 years older than me at the time, I guess still. But they had a, also they had a way that they wanted to dispel the information. I, 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 I hate telling the story because everybody asks the question and the answer is so boring. Hey, but anyway, it, it's totally fine. <laughs> I'm interested. I'm invested here. But yeah, but yeah, they 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 there was a there was a method in how they wanted to teach me, you know, and how they wanted to kind of dispel the information. Yeah. And so they would say in time, young grasshopper in time. <laughs> oh, OK. But they would See? tell me this. I'm 21 years old and I'm around the world and there's all these new girls and they would call me young grasshopper. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, that that just can't happen. You can't call me young grasshopper in front of people. And it got shortened to grasshopper. It got shortened to hopper. And then it finally just went to, to hops. Wow. That's pretty great. I would great. have never guessed that. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. I like that a lot. <laughs> that was genius. Okay. Last question then before we move on to our, our last segment. So we know that you've been doing a lot of guests. Uh, you've done a lot of guest spots before, whether it be from Take Six to Michael Buble. Is there like a favorite guest performance that you've been a part of? Do you have one in mind? Take Six. Take Six. Down. Okay. I shouldn't be surprised. Take Six, hands down. They called me six days before the performance and sent 21 songs. What? And the initial call, I'm, I'm friends with those guys. You know, they, we go to the same church, some of us, and I don't think you guys understand how iconic you are, especially to me. So first of all, to get the call, I'm like, done. Calling yeah. my mama, calling my <laughs> sister, like, you'll never guess what's going to happen. And this is after touring the world and seeing Quincy and all this stuff. It's like... Take six is is everything. Like this is why I'm I can stop singing now. This is why I did it. This is this is the whole point. Right, I made it. And so that I made it. I made it. 
And so they call and I learned those songs and it, it was a lot of pressure because like I said, it was 21 songs I had to learn in six days. But the day of the performance, all my nerves were taken away because so many things went wrong. Like we didn't even have a sound check. Oh gosh. We missed like, we our flight was super delayed. So we missed like a workshop we were supposed to give. We didn't have time to change clothes into like the whole stage gear or all that kind of stuff. And so there was a lot going on that the group wasn't, they weren't focused on me. You know, mm -hmm. so I could just go up there and if I messed up, I messed up because it's like, well, guys, we didn't sound check. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, awesome. But yeah, singing with them. And then they asked me again to do um, Christian Dentley's. He's he's a guy, a baritone in the group to do his wedding. Um, that oh, was just man. one song. Uh, and I mean, singing with them, hands down, is just the greatest. What thing an ever. opportunity. That's That's awesome. Better than going to the Grammys. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for indulging us with uh, these questions, even if you've been asked the first one a million times. <laughs> so we. <pre> no, <laughs> I, I just, that. like I said, man, I just feel bad for that one. I actually I think that's like a that pretty good so story. I think that's oh, really? pretty. I, I mean, it's referencing a movie. So, like, I'm, I'm so, like, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty great. <laughs> right, right. All right. So we like to post to our guests, you know, if they could offer our acapella community one piece of advice, whether it be to a singular person to a group to a certain segment what would it be and now we ask you if you could offer them some advice what would you say yeah and i think we've been touching on and talking about the whole episode of, of this whole thing of figuring out where you fit in and walking the line of individuality you know confidence and indiv individuality in my opinion are key if they're not imposing on other people there, there's a way to be confident figure out that way to be confident and then live in that space for the rest of your life. There's a lot of things I would have done differently that I, I'm a totally different person now that I'm quote, quote, an adult. When I was a kid, I was super shy. And it was like, I look back on it now and it was like, you wasted a lot of time. <laughs> there, there was no reason to be shy in front of people who are still trying to figure stuff out themselves. I think I would be further along if I was just a little bit more confident and not being afraid to mess up, not being afraid to be wrong because that's how you grow, that's how you learn through your mistakes. And so that's that's the thing, walking the line of where do you fit in? And and this and this this speaks to not just the singers, but to also the the conductors, to the leaders of the group, to the people putting on the the conferences and workshops. It's okay to to figure out where you fit in, you know, to figure out how the train is moving, but then figure out also at the same time how to be innovative and how to be confident and how to show your personality. Wow. Well said. I say it every time. I'm going to get all of these advices tattooed on my back. It's going to be great. <laughs> I say it every time. There's been no piece of advice that I'm like, ah, maybe I won't yeah, do it's that. It's all been good. Right, right. Armand, if people want to get a hold of you, see what you're all about, follow you on anything, find out more about your album, your other work, purchase your arrangements, any of that stuff, how could they do that? Man, right now I'm on this like massive Instagram kick. I'm not on Twitter. Facebook is like starting to bore me, but I'm... <laughs> Instagram is like, where is that? Armand the Bass, A-R-M-A-N-D-T-H-E-B-A-S-S. -S. And I'm totally silly on there. I don't post a lot, but I do post a lot to the stories. Cool. And so Instagram is, is where is that? And then if you want to get the Hutton Records stuff, that also is on, on Instagram and also on Facebook. Hutton, H-U-T-T-O-N, Records, R-E-C-O-R-D-S. It's weird for, for words that you don't spell often. It's like, wait, am I spelling <laughs> this right? Twice. Totally yeah. get that. Awesome. Well, everyone, this is just, oh God, this is just a really great episode of Talkpel. I just love the episodes where we get to just dive into a single topic and just learn as much as we can about it. And, and we did that with hey, a man, bunch of guys, topics. 
when the album comes out, man, you got I got to come back on the show and we can talk about 15, oh, 15 20 definitely. minutes. Definitely. I, I like that. Idea. I've actually always really wanted, Brian, I'm pitching this to you now okay. live, like do an episode where instead of one guest, we had like three mini segments, like three 15 minute, mm-hmm. three 20 minute things. I think that could be actually really fun. Just like totally oh, change yeah, it up. We should do that. That could be. Yeah, we should try that sometime. Everyone, that's going to wrap it up for today's Tacapella. So you already heard where you can get Armand Brian. Where can people find you, man? You can find me on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I. And for everything else, go follow the work I do at College Acapella. Awesome. You can find me in the same place on Twitter and Instagram at John Lampus, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S. Be sure to follow our producer, Amanda Corneglia, at Amanda Corneglia on Twitter and I believe on Instagram as well. Also, be sure to follow Acaville Radio everywhere, Acaville Radio, but on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places. And fun news, Brian oh yes we have a big yeah announcement. i almost forgot, I almost forgot. uh so there's the acapella music awards that happen every year i mean by every year i mean the second year uh tacapella won best uh acapella podcast and this is the first episode we've done since we uh heard about it and uh that's, thank you thank you just you know just patting ourselves on the back to wrap up the episode but that's something that we didn't have a chance to talk about and i'm so proud of this show and yes. all the stuff that we do and the guests like Armand we have come on and just bring us these ridiculously satisfying conversations. I personally, that means a lot to me as just a person, as a musician, as an acapella person. So Armand, thanks for coming on today. Brian, thanks for being a killer uh, host with me on this show. It's just so much fun. And everyone, we're going to be back next week on a brand new episode of Tacapella. So for everything acapella related, please stay tuned.